Well, this morning we are in part number two. If you missed part number one, I'm going to do my best to have it up on the internet this week. But I know it's on Facebook, so you can catch it there, so you can catch up with this series. But we're in a series that says sometimes in life you have to begin again. You have to start again with something. Sometimes it happens in your marriage or sometimes you can find it happening in a relationship where something ended and you're beginning something new. You're beginning again. It can happen with your job or you can even uh, be be doubling up and maybe you're going back and beginning again with college and maybe you're getting some college credit earning uh, credits towards a degree. Maybe you find yourself beginning again financially. I'm not sure where you might be beginning again, but it happens for us in life. And when we do, we want to begin again, this time better. We want to learn from our mistakes. And so often we do learn from our mistakes. It happens when your children are playing video games they learn what does not work and they change it up and then they do they find out what works and they do that so they learn from their mistakes when they play video games you have learned from your mistakes with hunting and with fishing if you're a crafty type person you have kind of learned from some mistakes some things that did not work did not go well and you changed it up you learned from that and you went forward and you found some things that did work we seem to learn from our mistakes In the things that don't matter, we learn from our mistakes, but we don't learn from our mistakes in the things that matter the most. We seem to keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again in the things that matter most, like your marriage or perhaps like relationships. When it comes to a relationship, maybe you have found yourself Dating the same type of person over and over and over again, maybe loser after loser after loser after loser, or perhaps maybe just maybe, maybe you're the loser and maybe, maybe you keep blowing it. And every time you blow it, here's what happens. You say, maybe that's your song, your theme song for life, or maybe, maybe that's it in relation to how you handle your money or perhaps how you have handled your job. Maybe you find yourself from job to job to job to job. It could be, even in our relationship with our children, we seem to, in the things that matter most, we seem to not learn from our mistakes. And partly, that's because we have a tendency to believe some lies, some things that are simply not true. We talked about those last week. Last week, we said some of the lies we believe. Here's one. We say this, experience makes me wiser, but that's just not true. I mean, experience, it will make you angrier, yes. Experience will make you older, but experience never never makes us wiser. The truth is, evaluated experience makes us wiser. And the good news is, starting today, we're going to be giving you some some ways to begin to evaluate that experience. Here's another lie that we believe, though. We say, I know better now, now that I've been, I know better, so I'll do better. The reality is, just think about your preschoolers for a minute. They know better. You've told them. Do they do better? 
doesn't mean they're going to do better, does it? Your children, your t- let's, let's pause with your teenagers. Your teenager knows better because you've told them how many times? And when you tell them again, they say, I know, I know, I know. And they roll their eyes at you, right? They say they know better, but does that mean they do better? It's not true for our preschoolers, for kids in elementary school, for our teenagers, and it is not true, teenagers, it's not true for your parents either. I know better does not mean that I will do better. And we also said this last week. We say, here's a lie we believe. I don't have time to waste. Time is a ticking. Time is my enemy. I've got to hurry and jump back in and begin again right now, this moment. I have to hurry. Time is wasting. I don't have time to waste. Time is my enemy. I have to hurry. And that just simply is a lie. We all buy into that, myself included. That's, That's a lie. The truth is time is actually your friend, because it's going to take some time. If we want to do it better this time, begin again better this time, it's going to take some time. This morning, in case you get angry at me and you throw your can of Coke at me and you get up and run out, I want to go ahead right now so you don't miss this. I want to tell you what we're going to be asking you to do today. Today, we're asking you to name it. To identify in that, whatever ended, whatever is going badly now, to identify it, what happened. We want you to name it, and then today we're going to ask you to claim it. To own that, that responsibility, to say that part, that right there, that is mine. But you're going to have a tendency, if you're anything like me at all, you're going to have a tendency to say, but really... It's not my fault. I mean, it's not my fault. You see, we like to talk about ourselves. I mean, we, we like to, when you're in a conversation, it, uh, so often if we're talking, it drifts towards us, right? Because we're not unlike most other people. We like to talk about ourselves, unless we're talking about whose fault it is. And if we're talking about whose fault it is, I do not want to talk about me because it's not me, it is them. It is not my fault. I mean, it's not my fault. It's their fault. It's them. It's their fault. We come by that naturally. I I mean, we get that from our grandparents, actually. Um, And I mean by that, I mean our great-grandparents. Well, our great-great great great grandparents and actually it's further great than i can count but we have the story actually recorded for you the actual incident recorded for us and we're going to read about it in this story of adam and eve now before you before you freak out on me about adam and eve because you might say adam and eve aren't we past that by now let me tell you Before we get to the story of Adam and Eve, let me just let you off the hook for a moment. Because some of you, you don't have to agree with me that Adam and Eve is 
history, that it's a historical account. That's what I believe. But this morning, you, you don't actually have to believe that in order for you to benefit from what we're talking about today. So today, I'm not asking you to arrive at the same belief that I have today. What we share with you this morning, you can still benefit from whether you agree with me or not about this being history. I happen to believe that this is real, that this is a real story. And I don't believe it because it's in the Bible. I believe that this is a real story because when Jesus talked about Adam and Eve, Jesus talked and revealed that Jesus believes that this really happened that Adam and Eve were real, that they were the first created people, and Jesus really believed that. And here's what I think about that. If the person who predicted his own death and predicted his resurrection and then actually was able to pull that off, then I'm simply going to go with whatever he believes. I'm going to believe that. That's my view. But here's the reality even if you don't think that this story is actual history, perhaps you just think it's really good literature, or maybe it's, a, it's just a good story that's, that's ancient, ancient, ancient literature, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me this morning. That's not where we're going to ask you to go. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. But here's the truth. As we look at this story this morning, I just believe that it is packed so full with wisdom, so much depth inside of this story that here's what I want to encourage you. I think there's so much wisdom there. Even if you don't think it's history like I do, there's so much wisdom in this ancient, ancient, ancient literature that you should read everything this person wrote because it is packed with meaning, packed with meaning. So, now that I've let you off the hook, let's jump into this story. Let me give you some context where we're going, and it starts right here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. I wish I could pause there and talk a whole lot about that. We don't have time. In the image of God, he repeats this, he created them, male and female, he created them, verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. God looks at Adam and Eve and he says, listen guys, I've created you. Now I want you to get out there and I want you to play and go have babies and raise your family and enjoy all of this. And then God pauses and gives them one single rule. And I find it so interesting. This one single rule, it was just don't eat the fruit of this one tree. Now, you can go out there, play, have babies, raise your family, have a great time. Just don't do this one thing. Isn't this interesting? We see God as the great rule man. The here's the do's list, here's the don'ts list. Rule, 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 rule. But when God had his creation just the way he wanted it, he had one single rule. Just one. And what? did Adam and Eve do? Well, honestly, they did the very same thing that I would have done, that you would have done eventually. They would ignore 
and break that one single rule. And when they did, that's what they did, and when they did, they messed up, and the whole world messed up at that moment, got messed up, whole creation got messed up at that moment, and we have inherited all of that. And so we are messed up too. And if you want more information about that, go back to the series we did this fall called Evil Does It, and we will give you loads of information about that. But something happened in that moment, that point in our history, something happened, something bad got blended in with our thinking. You know why I know this? Because we can't even keep our own rules. I mean, I can't even stay on a diet. I, I, you don't even work out three times a week, do you? Right? We, we don't even keep our own rules, much less the rules of God. Why? Because we're messed up. And that's where it happened. That's where it began. As soon as they messed up, this is what happens. We're going now to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, Moses writes, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about the garden. I, I can't even imagine what that might have sounded like. It says they heard him walking through the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Now here we have Adam and Eve created by God inside of God's garden that he created and they are hiding it says they hid from god and what do we do when we blow it we hide we hide we don't answer phone calls we don't answer texts we're hiding we avoid people we see them coming we go the other direction we're hiding just like adam and eve we hide and we keep on hiding we keep on hiding. We mess up and we hide. We hide from ourselves and from the truth of the situation. We hide from that. We hide from other people around us. And we even hide, just like they did, we hide from God. And when we get caught, we say what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Which leads us to ask this question. Really? I mean, really? Are we really sorry? I, I mean, I, I, I think the truth is, if we would finish that statement, it's this. I'm sorry I got caught. Because we were pretty okay just hours before, or days before, or weeks before, or even for years, we were okay with doing the wrong thing and just hiding. We were okay with that. And suddenly we're sorry, but that's what we do. We hide until we get caught. We hide ourselves, or we hide something. It's exactly what Adam and Eve did. It's exactly what we do. And Moses goes on in verse 9 and describes more. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Now this is amazing. 
God himself went looking for Adam and Eve. I mean, God, creator of everything, went looking for Adam and Eve. And God goes looking for us too. God went looking for me. God goes looking for you. And he's looking not to beat you, not to whip you. He's looking to rescue you. Moses continues, verse 10. He replied, Adam replied, I I heard you walking in in the garden, so I hid. I, I was afraid because I was naked. Now God begins asking some more questions, not because God didn't know the answer. He just wants to make sure Adam understands what's going on. And God said, well, who, who told you you were naked? God knew. He's just giving Adam here a chance to come out of hiding. He says, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And just think with me for a moment, Adam saying, I did, yes, yes. Yes, God, you are right, I did. It it is my fault. God, I take full responsibility for my actions. I have no one to blame but myself. Yes, it was me. But it it didn't happen that way. Um, The very first thing that came out of Adam's mouth when he was busted, when he was caught, the very first thing was blame. Listen to what he said, verse 12. The man replied, It was the woman! The woman you gave me, who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. So here's what Adam was saying. God, it is not my fault. Hey, listen, yes, I was there, but it was not my fault. God, it is her fault. And if you want to know the truth, God, this is really your fault, too. You gave her. It's your fault, too. So you two go get together and you work out the details of this mess you've gotten me into. And then, after you've done that, you can then come back to me and you can apologize to me. You see, the story that Adam was telling God was, was true, but it was only partly true. I mean, he didn't tell him the full story. Adam just told part of the truth. The part that made Adam look less guilty. That's the part he told. And that is what we have a tendency to do as well. When we get caught, we tell part of the story. And we tell the part of the story that makes us look better, that makes us look less guilty, makes them look more guilty. We tell the part of the story that gives this other person more of their share of the blame. And after we tell our part of the story, after we tell that part long enough, we actually begin to believe it, that that's the whole story. The problem with that is we begin to undermine our future when we do that. It's like if you were to build your house, I mean, I'm talking about your house, not a tiny house here, your house, your lifelong house. I mean, this is your, this is my house where I'm going to be moving my hover round all over this baby. This is my last move, my big house. I'm not doing this again. This is my house. 
and then building that house and then hiring people to go and dig tunnels all night long under your house. Just forever, they're digging tunnels under your house. Eventually, what's going to happen? Your house is going to sink. Let me give you a visual of that. There's this Corvette museum somewhere. We've got a picture there. There's the Corvette museum somewhere. I'm not sure where it is, but uh, they built this museum. They happened to build it, they didn't know, under, over, I mean, over a giant hole in the earth. And so they built it there. Beautiful cars, beautiful cars. And look what happened. That next picture, look, look, look where it goes. Yeah, it, um, it swallowed up the Corvettes. I mean, look at the next one. Look at the next picture. This giant hole right inside of the thing there. Giant hole. One more picture. I think this is the last one coming up. This giant hole swallowed them up. They didn't know that was down under there. Eventually, it caved in and it collapsed. And here's what happens in our life. When we drag our past, we are undermining our future. If you drag your past along with you, whatever that junk is, dragging it with you, you undermine your future and eventually something in your future is going to sink. It might be your life. It might be a relationship, your job, finances, your family, your marriage. It's going to sink. That's what happens. Now Moses goes on in verse 13. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? She said, the serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. It's not my fault, God. Listen, it's the serpent's fault. Now again, She's telling part of the truth, but she's telling the part that places more blame over there. She's not telling the whole truth. If we don't pause when we are forced to begin again, if we don't pause and name it and say that is the problem right there and then claim it and say that part is mine, I'm responsible for that part. Not the whole thing. I'm responsible for that part. If we don't do that, we're going to drag the past into our future and it will undermine our future happiness every single time. You see, you can't blame your way into a better future. Now, we can blame our way into the future, but we can never blame our way into a better future. And that's what blame does. It allows us to smuggle all of our issues from the past into the future. And here's what we're thinking. Well, if they, if they don't know the whole story, it's not going to hurt them. I mean, if they don't know how it really played out, all the details, it's, it's going to be okay. I can keep that a secret and nobody will know. And it's at that point, at that point, we are dragging all of that junk into our future. Blame allows us to smuggle our junk into our very own future. And that's why this is so deadly. And before we begin again, we have to pause and answer some really tough questions. What is my part? We name it and we claim it. Because if we don't, 
blame is going to set us up for a repeat performance every single time. We're going to drag that with us and we're going to do it again and again and again, no matter how sorry we are. I think really the truth is this, that we have to begin naming it and claiming it from about the time we start driving in high school, about 16, about the middle of high school on through the rest of our adult life, we have to name it and claim it and say, I'm responsible for this part. That was mine. That's me. And here's what happens when we do that. The emotions surrounding those circumstances begin to cool down. They're not so hot. The temperature of those circumstances, when we talk about that, it begins to drop. That temperature drops. And when it drops, when it cools, we can then see more clearly to make a better decision next time. And if we don't do that, then the temperature stays hot regarding those circumstances. And we do not see very clearly. And in that case, we're setting ourselves up to make round two look very much like round one. Now, Jesus actually tells us this. There's this little jewel of a statement that Jesus makes. One tiny phrase that if we will dig out the meaning and truth in that statement, it can change your future. Let me give you that statement right now. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Listen to what Jesus said. He said this, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Now, it's so easy just to pass by that statement. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God is making a clear connection between our heart's purity and our clarity, our ability to see and sense the movement of God, the, the path of God, the desires of God. In other words, the more pure and clean our heart is, then the more we can sense what God wants us to do. The more we can have a clean heart by naming our responsibility and claiming our responsibility as we clean out the junk inside of our heart by naming it and claiming it, then the more clear we see things, the more clearly we see God and his path and his will. If I can claim my part, this is why we don't like to do this. If I claim my part, I cannot be as mad at him. If I claim my part and responsibility for my part, I can't be as mad at her. Because in that process of claiming my responsibility, I am taking back some of the responsibility I have shoved upon that person. I have assigned to that person. So I can't be as angry at them. Why? Because I am responsible too. And if I'm less angry, I can see more clearly. Why? Because what Jesus said, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. But as long as there is something I'm hiding, I'm going to lack the clarity that I need to begin again, but this time better. That's why this is such a big deal. That's why this is huge. 
And here's what we're asking you to do. And we're asking you to actually do this today. Usually we say, hey, sometime during the week do this. Not today. We're asking you to do this today. Because if you don't do this today, you will talk yourself out of it. And you will be like, wow, Harley almost got me on that one. But I made it past Monday. I'm going to be okay. I don't have to do it. We want you to do this today. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to draw a circle. Just draw a circle. Now you can start by just drawing a circle on your worship guide in the note-taking section. Just draw a circle. And in that circle, we're asking you to say, here is my slice of this pie right here. Here's my part. This is my part right here. And you draw that up there. But here's what we like to say. That's my little bitty part right there. But the big part, that's mostly them. Now for some of you, that's a reality. But for some of us this morning, we're actually the big part. But no matter how big your slice of this is, we're asking you to say, will you draw the circle and claim your slice of the pie? Now, when some people look at this, they call it the poo pie. And we're all aware of the poo pie. And nobody wants their piece of the poo pie. Nobody wants to claim it, but we're asking you, please, draw the circle and say, this is my slice. This is mine. This part of it is mine. I'm not going to blame this part on them. This part is me. I am responsible for this part. We're asking you to name it and claim full responsibility for your part, no matter how small or no matter how big that part might be. Listen to this phrase that Andy says, and this is something we've learned from him, this series, and it has been motivational for us. Listen to this phrase. To make peace with your past, you must own your piece of the past. To make peace with your past, you must own your piece of the past. In other words, we cannot move into a better future until we do this step. This is how important it is. And the more extreme your circumstances, the more extreme your story is, the less likely you are to actually do this, which means this, if you don't, you're going to be dragging that junk with you. You're going to drag it with you into your future and it will never, ever leave you alone. And that junk is going to show up year after year relationship after relationship, month after month, bill after bill. It's going to show up payment after payment, job after job. The more emotional your story is, the less likely you are to actually name your part and claim your part. But we're asking you this, regardless of how small your part might be, if you drag it around with you, you are going to poison your future. So before you begin again, will you please pause and name it and claim it? Now let me give you some examples to get you started. Now this is painful. Some of these will be painful for you to hear. Some of these might make you angry at me. But I want you to understand in every scenario, somewhere in there, there is a slice of responsibility, no matter how small and tiny it might be, 
That's the part we're asking you to claim, whatever that might be. Some of your story sounds like this. Harley, I, I, I saw the warning paper before we got married. But I was afraid to dig any deeper because I had already decided this was the person I was going to marry. It might be like this. I, I, had, I had a feeling that something was not right, but I, I just didn't check it out because I, I was afraid of what I might find out, so I just pushed it into the background and kept going. It might be this. I, I, I knew she didn't stop drinking once she got started, but it was only a couple of times a weekend. I mean, a couple of times a, a month back then. I knew. I knew he had a temper when we were dating. I thought, I, I, I thought, I, I mean, I had seen him get angry towards other people. I had seen him get angry towards me, but I just thought that I could maybe keep him more calm if I handled things for him. And so we moved in together and continued our relationship. Maybe it sounds like this. I, I should have said no. When I heard what, what direction that they wanted to go with this plan... I should have said no, but I was too embarrassed to back out. I didn't know how to stop it, so I didn't even try. I did not walk away. Maybe it's this. I, I know that recovery programs say to wait years after sobriety before getting into a relationship, but they were doing so good. And, and we were so good together, I thought we would be okay. Maybe it's this, I, I, I knew they had problems handling money, but I, I, I was thinking they would do better this time. I saw the late notices, I saw the late payments, I, I just got angry, but I pushed it to the back of my mind thinking, surely they're going to do it better. Maybe it's this, yeah, yes, Harley, my, my supervisor didn't like me. I don't think they liked me much, but... If I were honest, I often didn't have a good attitude. And I didn't do everything I know that I needed to do. I did not do my best. I, I knew they had a problem. And I, I made so many excuses for them. When they didn't do what they told other people that they were going to do, I came in and kind of cleaned up the mess and made excuses for them. But I did it so long that I'm unhealthy too. I stayed so long. I was afraid to leave and now I'm a mess. I stayed too long and I enabled them to keep being bad. I mean, I, I knew we didn't really need that payment. And I knew that payment would leave us with nothing extra in case the car broke down or we had a major repair. But we wanted it, and, you know, we just thought we would worry about that other stuff if it came up later. In most situations, there was somebody that tried to warn you, either a parent or a friend, 
and they said, this is a bad idea, don't go with this idea, or please, please, please rethink this. Are you sure about this? But we had a tendency to just shut them out because we had already decided we were going to do what we wanted to do. We said things like, I was lonely. We say things like, I know, I should have confronted them. We say, well, I just, I just wanted it, so I bit the bullet and I bought it. We say, I was afraid to look any deeper. We say things like, it was just lust. It was so stupid. It was just lust. We say, I knew better, but I did it anyway. The reality is, we do have some kind of part because probably we didn't listen to somebody that was trying to warn us. And yes, I'm not dismissing their part. They had a part too, and their part may have been huge, but I had a part too. And we're asking you today to say this, I am ready to name that part that I had and to claim that part as I am responsible for that part. To keep you from dragging all of that past junk into your future, you have to do this. To make peace with your past, you have to own your piece of the past. When you do, it will bring clarity to your future. So this is a step that we cannot pass up. So here's what we're asking you today. Today, draw that circle Name that slice of responsibility, no matter how small or how big it might be. Name it, and then claim that slice as, this is my responsibility. If your marriage right now that you're in is getting tough, then we're going to ask you to draw that circle and name your slice and claim that responsibility, that part that you're responsible for. If you have a relationship that has ended before you begin again, we're going to ask you, draw this circle and name that slice that is your responsibility and claim it. If you have been at job after job, been fired or you quit and you went to another job and then another job, we're asking you to stop and name it and claim it. Begin again better this time. Don't smuggle your past into your future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do want it better this time as we begin again. And God, we're asking you to help us to name it Name our part, and God, give us the courage to claim it so that the temperature surrounding these circumstances can begin to cool down and our heart can begin to to be clean and pure and we can once again see with clarity. We need your help, Father, so that we don't continue to smuggle our past into our future. And God, we can only do this because of what Jesus did on the cross for us when Jesus died for our sin. When he rose again and defeated death three days later. 
And now today we can stand here and submit our lives to him, give our lives, surrender our lives to him, and his grace will pick us up and move us forward into the future with him if we will surrender. God, we ask for your help and your grace as we identify what went wrong and we claim responsibility for the parts that are ours. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.